Ephesians 5.19. We'll get a little bit of a running start here. Okay, so we looked at the surrounding verses last Sunday, and then this Sunday we're going to dive a little more deeply into verse 19, and then we'll do something a little different this Sunday uh, than we've, we've ever done as we apply this together uh, to our church. So let's do this. Um, let me read verses 15 to 18, and then let's all read verses 19, 20, and 21. Could we do it that way? I'll read verses 15 to 18, and then all of us uh, read together 19 to 21, and then we'll pray. Um, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, this contrast, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And there's another contrast. And... Do not get drunk with wine, but, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's all read verses 19 to 21 together. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness that is true, that you are faithful, that your word is true, and that it changes us, it restores our soul, it is refreshing to us as uh, honey might be to our body, your word is to our soul. And so we ask that you would speak, O Lord, through these words, uh, that you would motivate us to be committed to uh, the text of Ephesians 5.19 as a church body, uh, that we would be uh, careful and equipped uh, to build one another up, to edify one another um, through singing to one another and through hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. Um, Lord, I, I pray that your spirit would fill us now, uh, control us to follow along these things that are spiritually appraised and to be uh, awakened to a spiritual life, uh, maybe depths of growth that we've never been in certain areas of joy, of uh, emotional stability as we consider uh, these psalms. And we pray that for our church as we move into this summer Uh, Summer Sundays, as we look at a few of these psalms, Lord, um, may we grow, uh, Lord, in in your way. Uh, We pray that your spirit would build up your church uh, through the psalms. Um, We'll thank you for it, and we commit the time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, verse 19 there. We'll look at that in just a minute. One memory that's kind of... Blaze, blazing on my mind, like fixed in my memory uh, from a little boy was riding with my dad in our little red Toyota truck at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., back streets in New Jersey, and we got pulled over by the police, and uh, uh, I think there were at least three boys in the truck. I don't think my mom was there, but my dad was driving, and what he was doing was trying to miss the bumps in the road 
the bump of 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 the bump. He, he found that if he was a little off in the other lane, uh, then there would be no uh, rhythm of bump. And so he was driving in the middle of the street. No one else was on the road, so it was all good, except for the police officer who was all up to the side. And he didn't like that. Um, and uh, he made my dad prove that he was sober. Uh, and he kind of looked with his light at the bottom of the, uh, you know, on the floorboard to see if there was any, any bottles there. Uh, because in his experience, when someone was driving in the middle of the road and swerving back and forth, they were uh, influenced by something other than their com- normal sense, right? They were being influenced. And, and that's true. We, we see people walk a line uh, to prove that they're not under the influence of something else. One evidence of being under the influence of alcohol is that you're not walking straight or driving straight. And, and that's impaired. You're actually, you're actually uh, harming others. You could harm others uh, through doing that. Well, what would be an evidence of someone who's not filled with alcohol, but who is filled with the Holy Spirit? What is an evidence of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit? That's the point to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, right? Uh, you, you're not to be controlled by outs. You know, outside substances, uh, you know, then maybe that's whatever that is. But you are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And as you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, it's going to be demonstrated by three specific actions. You'll be speaking, and we'll see this in a second, to one another. You'll be giving thanks, we saw that last week, and you'll be subject, you'll be being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That's what it will look like if you are filled with the Spirit. So this is an essential aspect in our Christian lives that we are filled with God's Spirit. Filled with God's Spirit. You'll see in your notes there, just by way of introduction, there are many ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives that are essential. Um, In fact, the, the Scripture gives several illustrations of them. This one is the filling of the Holy Spirit. But the first one came in Ephesians chapter 1. If you're looking at Ephesians 1, you see that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians kind of is organized this way. Ephesians 1 through 3 tell us all about all we have in Christ and who we are in Christ. And then 4 through 6 tell us, therefore, what we're to do about that. Well, one of the things that we have in Christ is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, right? And so... You and I are are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, If you are a a believer in Jesus, Ephesians 1.13 there, you see that in your text. In him, you also, after, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed. So you hear the message of the gospel, you believe, and then you beg one day later to be sealed with the Spirit? No. You are sealed. If you believe the gospel, at that point you are sealed with the Spirit. Now, this is a picture of permanently marked that you are God's. God makes His imprint on you through the Holy Spirit that that you are His child. You are His son. You are His daughter. No one's going to snatch you from His hand. And the sealing of that effect is the Holy Spirit who is given to us with promise. 
So his seal is permanent. Another ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is his indwelling. We'll go to baptism. The Holy Spirit's baptism. The Holy Spirit baptizes us when we believe. As soon as we are born again, we are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit, the Spirit is the actor, we are all baptized into one body. Whether you're Jewish or Gentile, slave or free, you are all made to drink of one Spirit. You are placed then into the spiritual body, namely the church of Jesus Christ. And you may be an eyeball, uh, you may be an eyelash, but, but we're all in this one body that Jesus is building up through his spirit. And the immersion into that body happens as soon as you're born again. You're baptized into the spirit, by the spirit into the body of Christ. Third one, the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Romans 8, 9. Through 11, 1 Corinthians 2.12, Galatians 4.6 are instances of the Bible saying that we are indwelled by the Spirit of God. This is maybe a, a much more familiar concept, right? You have a house or an apartment and you, you take up residence in there. You live in there. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in all those who are born again. The Spirit indwells us. Let me read Romans 8, 9 through 11. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. All right, and so he's saying, if you are a Christian, the Spirit of God indeed dwells in you. And then he goes on, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So it's, it's, there is no category of Christian who is not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Spirit, Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Um, verse 11 of Romans, Romans 8. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right, so the Holy Spirit dwells in us, baptizes us, and seals us. All of those references to those aspects of the Holy Spirit happen when we are born again. When we believe in Jesus, repent of sin, and trust him as our savior. Does it talk about seeking that by some feeling, some second work of grace? In fact, nowhere are you commanded to have those things happen to you. That's what's different between those three and this fourth one. This fourth one is a command. Those three happen as you accept Jesus as savior. This fourth one is different though. The the filling of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, is a command. But it's an interesting command. Look at it. This is our text. But be filled with the Spirit. This is really interesting because it's, it's kind of like, well, the grammar is be hit with a baseball. Um, it, like you're standing there, you're commanded to do it, but like it, you kind of have to have the pitcher aim at you and hit your shoulder. Right? Be it's called passive tense, right? That, that this needs to be done to you. But it's a command still. You be filled with the Spirit. And so it's a command. It's a passive command, meaning it's something God has to do. But it's also a present tense command. You are to be being filled with the Spirit. 
The idea is that, that there is one baptism sealing and dwelling where the Spirit resides in you as a temple. But, but we need Him to be controlling us, filling us for service. And that is an ongoing desire and command. You could translate it, um, be being kept filled with the Spirit. Be being kept filled with the Spirit. And so in your life today, uh, maybe a little later on today, hopefully not right now, if you feel the flesh riling up and, and you feel anger and clamor, all the things of Galatians 5 on the fleshly side, then you know that you are not being filled with the Spirit. And you pause, you confess that as sin, and you ask that the Spirit's fruit would be evident in your life of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance. And as you are there in love, joy, peace... As a mentality, as an attitude, there are certain actions that will just flow out of you. Thankfulness was one of them. Submitting to others is another one. We looked at those two last week. But spirit-filled people are characterized through these, right? The fruit of God's spirit. But these activities, you are thankful, right? Actually, I think I have them here. Yeah. Uh, You are giving thanks. You are being subject And then this one that we skipped because I wanted to give more time to it um, for our our series in the Psalms. You are speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And in fact, the grammar is this way. Actually, these three are all characteristics of being filled. So if you want to look at them, the, the one attribute that the Holy Spirit focuses on the most of someone who's spirit filled has to do with speaking in songs. Literally, it is, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking, singing, and this third one is the same thing, and psalming. Speaking, singing, and psalming to one another. This is a characteristic of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's dive into this. We'll look at four questions and text answers for us as we speak in song. And and really, we could summarize this as discipleship. In song, discipleship in song, as we speak these songs to one another. That's the first question. With whom do we sing? According to the text, uh, with whom do we sing? Speaking with whom? To one another. Good. Uh, One another. This is who we sing to. This is who we speak to. And in fact, the first ing word is not a singing one. It's a, you are to be speaking that's why I love it. we have scripture reading, and, and, and often we all read together. Um, this is something we are to be doing to one another, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it is talking about singing, and he gets much more uh, clear about that. But, but let's not gloss over that we are to be doing this to one another. Uh, this is corporate worship setting that he's talking about. The Holy Spirit is evident in our church as we meet together and we sing together. We have a one anotherness. This is one of the one another's that are so essential in the body. And, and this is what really scared, not scared me, but this is one of my major, major concerns over the last 
two years of when we were going through COVID, I mean, there were physical health concerns we had, but the primary concern for me was the one another's. Because I can get sick and die and I go to heaven. But what about my soul? I don't want that to get sick. I don't want that to get anemic. I needed you. I needed you. And so even when we had to meet, what, five services, ten people each, we had to do it because we had to meet one another, to sing to one another. It's essential to our health. Isolation is dangerous for a Christian. Right? Being alone is not an option for Christians. This is what Satan wants to do. Right? There's the pack, but then when we go off astray all by ourselves, that's the person he'll target. That person that's all alone, the lion is seeking whom he may devour. Because we are a body, and I realize there are times because of persecution, uh, because of health, because of uh, being shut in, that someone is not able to be with the body. And that is not ideal, but the Lord gives grace. Uh, as much as lies within you to be with the body, to be doing these one another's, that we would not be isolated as a straggler, but be with the body. Uh, there is safety in numbers as you continue to build relationships with, with one another. And this is why our, our small groups are so important. Ephesians 4 talks about this. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. As I speak the truth to you, as, as you speak the truth to one another, as friends, as spouses, as family members, you are building each other up into Christ-likeness. And this is the proper working of the body. As each one works according to his will, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself and love. So, we are speaking to one another. And, and so, just, just a brief application here. Yes, we're to be singing to one another, but our singing is not evangelistic. Our primary worship singing, is the purpose of it is not to reach the lost. There will be things that we sing about and praise to God that someone who does not know Christ will have no clue what we're talking about. And that's okay. Now, sometimes the goodness of God that we sing about brings people to repentance. But a worship service is not an evangelistic event. This is why we do this this way. This is for God. The body comes to worship God. In our church. Next Sunday, we're going to be on the street corner giving out gospel grace. We're going to be starting evangelistic Bible studies throughout the summer, outside, right? Now we preach the gospel every Sunday because we all need the gospel and people are saved. But our, our worship singing, according to the text here, is that we're speaking to one another. And Pastor Andrew often does that. It signifies, hey, this is, remember, we're singing this to one another brothers and sisters. And so Christian music is for Christians as we speak the truth to one another. Well, how do we do that, right? What do we use? What do we sing? What do we speak to one another? We speak to one another with this means. There are three means or three uh, items that we use as we speak to one another. We speak in what? What are the three? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. All right, who's going to help us with that? What are those three? Well, if you, you kind of look them up, and I looked them up in, in a lot of different places, there's, 
they are used interchangeably. So there's not a real hard, fast rule between each one. But the first one is definitely psalms. What are the psalms? Somebody tell me. Come on. We're all friends here. We're all Christian brothers and sisters. Where are your psalms? Yeah, the psalms. The 150 psalms right in your Bible there. You have a hymnal here. It's not psalm chapters. These are all songs, poems written by God's people. Beautiful, beautiful poetry right in your Bible. Some of the oldest poetry in existence is right there. Often very well translated into English. Not often, it is. But, but you lose some of the beauty of it, right, as you change languages. But there they all are. Beautiful psalms of praise, talking about who God is, talking about what he's done. But you know what? It's not all praise, is it? These are the emotional responses to the glory of God that all humanity deals with. And the important part about them is that they are inspired. God inspired our emotional outlet before him. And, and I do feel like, like right now, my check engine light is in my, on in my car today. <laughs> it's been that way for two years. But it's, it's been, and, and if I ignore that, that's a problem, right? Because I'm not doing what the manufacturer designed. Now, I think a lot of times it's to take it in and they charge you for nothing. But that's not the way God designs cars. God designed you, and he knows how you work emotionally. We'll get to this in a second, but we have gone through generations of Christians ignoring the Psalms in song. And I kind of wonder if that's why we have so many emotional, troubled people. Why, why all of Western Christianity has all these emotional struggles. It's like, have we been using what God placed there for us to emote before him? No, we haven't. And that might be why all of our light indicators are going off. Man, I just don't know how to cry anymore. I just don't know how to vocalize my complaint before God. Well, it's right there. Sometimes they don't even come up with an answer. A lot of times, Psalm 73, he's angry at the wicked every day, and by the end of the psalm, he's relieved. But you know, sometimes you're just left crying. Oh, Lord, where's the answer? Sometimes you need that psalm. We're to be doing this, and so we're going to have a brief mini-series here uh, in this summer. We're not going to hit all 150, but we're going to hit the categories of them, the songs of the saints, as we look at these psalms, because this is required. This is commanded here in this text, that we would be following these psalms. Um, historically, through the Dark Ages, we stopped singing to one another. Everything went into Latin. We stopped reading our Bible. Uh, the Christian church, the, the light was gone and it was the dark ages. And singing was gone because the people just heard Latin. And they're, they're, like, they didn't know what they were singing. With the Reformation came light, came the word, and also came singing. Martin Luther wrote many hymns. Seven of them were the psalms. He wanted his people to be singing the psalms. And we would do well to do the same. From the 1500s to the 1700s, the songs exploded in the church. The Holy Spirit inspired these for us. 
They're psalms, and the second one is hymns. Psalms, oops, psalms, hymns. Uh, This would be praise songs. Songs that really focus, not necessarily just the emotional state of each Christian from the 150 psalms, but now just any type of praise that you organize before the Lord in song. Elongate your vowels and sing with your heart of all that God has done for you. Right? That's great. That's important. Uh, to, to praise God and to think through how can I sing praise to God. Um, now, this actually is also used to refer to psalms. Each of these three are used to refer to the 150 psalms. But uh, they can go broader than that. And not just the psalms, but things that we make up as we sing to our Lord. And so you actually see that in your Bible. Colossians, Ephesians, Revelation, there's this new song of the Lamb. Right? These are songs that were made up to praise God. Psalms, hymns, that's actually, that Greek word is where we get our word hymn. And then thirdly, spiritual songs. Again, there's not a huge difference between those two. But it does seem to be that these would be like a, an ode or a ballad that you would design to write about an experience. So maybe these would be going from, from psalms to hymns to, to, to like expressing my worship before the Lord in something he's done for me. That would be a little more personal. Um, incorporating praise uh, for, my, for what the Lord has done for me. So maybe I'll give an example with each one. Uh, psalm would be like Psalm 23. One of my favorite psalms that we sing. We don't sing many psalms. But one of them that we sing is Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. And then what does it sing? I will trust in you alone. Isn't that a beautiful song? I love that one. Um, We just need that with every song. You try to find... I'm not, I don't want to harp on it too much here, but try to find psalms that are written to beautiful music today, and it's almost like it's just so lacking. You have to find things from the 1600s. And, and I kind of enjoy those, but most people don't. Uh, so we, we need to, to get on the ball here with our writing. Hymns. A hymn would be something like, Great is Thy Faithfulness, where you're thinking about one aspect of who God is, and you're praising Him for His faithfulness throughout that. That's a hymn. And then a spiritual song would be something like, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I love that that chorus. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his narrow pierced hand. Beautiful poem. That's just this personal, experiential praise to who Jesus is. These are all so meaningful to us. And an evidence of the Spirit's filling is that we will have this peace, this calm, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, that the Spirit will fill us and it will bubble over in speaking to one another. You may say, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But there will be this desire to speak the truth to others of who God is in your life. To whom do we sing? Well, we sing with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart. Who do we sing to? To the Lord. Even our speaking to one another is in the presence of God. The Lord is who 
all this service is about. My preaching is in the presence of the Lord. It's all for the Lord. Our hearts cry out to the Lord. And it really is getting all of our attention on the Lord. Because all week long, you've, you've been told to stop looking at Him. And look at the, the waves that are circling. Or look at the, the wealthy. And look at the injustice. And all of these things vex us so much that we need to come together and have all of our hearts tuned by the one tuning fork being praised to God. And that's how Job ends. right? Job's... Before God takes care of his problems, he gets to a praise song before God. Because he gets his eyes on God. And this is what we're all doing. Every Sunday, we focus on a specific attribute of God. And we read a text about that specific attribute. And we sing songs about that specific attribute. Because all of us need to be talking to one another about the glory of God. Right? This is what worship is all about. Right? It's getting ourselves off of our problems and fixed on the problem solver. The problem solver is God. And so each time we come today, uh, each Sunday, the Lord's Day, we meet the house of the Lord to sing the songs of the Lord, to hear a message from the Lord, from the word of the Lord. It's all about the Lord. To whom do we sing? Well, we sing to the Lord. And then lastly, um, how do we sing? This is so important. How do you sing? With your heart. With your heart. And this is what no one can judge anyone else. Only you know this before the Lord. Are you singing with your heart? Very easy to move the words, your mouth. You may be a professional singer to where everyone is listening to you, but you have no heart in it. This is what God wants. I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. If you are singing to the Lord with all your heart, He loves that. That is where we are. It's got to be a heart thing. Our giving is with our heart. Our listening is with our heart. Our obeying is with our heart. Our praying is with our heart. And our singing is with our heart. Not just memory. Our heart is engaged. And I really challenge you each Sunday as you come, really think about these words and really voice them to God. Speak them to one another before God. And grasp this as something that the angels are watching and marveling at. This is the most important thing going on in the world today. That God's body is meeting to worship him. And so there's singing in heaven. There's this new song we'll be singing. I do like the idea of a new song. I like the idea of Christian music. The sound. If someone would say, what kind of sound is coming from that song? That sounds Christian. I like that that happens. Um, and and there's, there's all kinds of categories of the way that might sound, but it would be great if someone were to say, that sounds Christian. And the words are Scripture. That would be awesome. If it sounds Christian and the words are Scripture. It would be great beyond that. <laughs> For How many of you have written a song? Anybody songwriters? got several. Brother Mookie, you, you write songs too now. Come on. Tio. I think we got five or six here. You guys should try this. Try it on your own. I like the idea that the Christian, the sound of a Christian song, singing Christian words, not just Christian words, but scripture, 
that, that the mood of the sound matches the mood of the scripture words. That if you're singing in the majesty of God, it should sound majestic. If you're pensively thinking about your sin, it may start out pensively sad. But it would rise when we speak of our forgiveness. It would be great if the mood of the song matched the sound of the music. So what is the best congregational music? I do believe it's the word. It is spirit-filled music that is packed with God's word. Um, What we're going to do here is just, I don't think I have the texts here. I think I do have um, Ephesians 5. No, I don't. Um, If you look there at Ephesians 5.19 and compare that, okay, this is a secret. Put this in your notes. As he says, Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is a command for us as a church body. Are we going to be Bible driven? We've got to be doing this. Look at the Colossians passage. The Colossians passage mirrors this, and it's even clearer. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Colossians gets even more specific and commands us to be singing psalms to one another. Singing psalms. You're commanded to sing psalms to one another. And that is an outpouring of the, of the word of Christ richly dwelling in you. So Ephesians, the spirit of God is richly dwelling in you. You're going to sing psalms to one another. Colossians, the word of God is richly dwelling in you. It's going to pour out through songs to one another. The Christian music has got to be scriptural. And I, and I love the Christian music that's being written today. A lot of it is really good. But, but it's often just scripture themes. Very few of these, these songs contain scripture. Um, I just took a, a minute with this and I looked up the top 10 Christian songs on Spotify and the top 10 scripture songs Uh, Christian songs on iTunes. Top ten in each one. Now, if we're looking at this, at least three of them should be psalms, right? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Three of those should be psalms. How many were psalms? Guess. You're right, zero. How about the top 25? Probably zero. I looked at the top 100, and the closest ones I found were Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I love that. Psalm 103. But that's the, like, that's the one verse. It doesn't continue through the rest of the psalm. Um, which is really amazing, right, truths from Psalm 103. And it said all of the, you know, most of them said very, some of them were unscriptural. But a lot of them were very scriptural. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying, let's get better at this. Singing scripture to one another. It's an evidence of God's spirit. It's an, this is the important thing. It's an evidence that God's spirit is working in us when we do this together. All right, let me pass this out as I'm sharing this. 
uh, so what I did is, is, is I took our um, Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8, and I put it uh, to music. Okay, so this is uh, actually on uh, both iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Amazing Grace was in the top 100. <laughs> Amazing Grace still is. So what I did is I took Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8, which we're memorizing together, and I just wrote a poem that, that speaks those words to us. Okay, so it's the words. So, so Becky, we'll need you to play here. Um, and we're going to obey this command. By God's grace, we're going to get better at it. Singing to one another. Where we'll enjoy it. Uh, MacArthur says, The spirit-filled life produces music. Whether he has a good voice or cannot carry a tune, the spirit-filled Christian is a singing Christian. Um, Nothing is more indicative of a fulfilled life, a contented soul, happy in the Lord, than song. One of my favorite pastors of the 1600s, Richard Baxter, um, came to Kettermister, England, and and there were very few believers. Uh, He said that, that there's that you could hardly find anyone going to service each Sunday up and down the streets. But after 20 years of preaching the gospel there, you could not go to any street on the Lord's Day and not hear a family gathering together to sing the psalms. That is a great mark of a faithful, faithful ministry. So what we're going to do is, is sing some psalms. This one here, if you'll see... Uh, is, uh, here we go, it's Amazing Grace, so you know the tune, and uh, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 119 mirror uh, this verse 1 of the song. Uh, so verses one, of, 1 and 2 of Psalm 119 go, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. So that's verses 1 and 2, we're memorizing that together. And so the kind of a summary of it, though it's, it's so hard, right? And, and that's why maybe this isn't done as often. But how blessed are you who walk God's way, the law that he has taught, that you may find no fear of blame, seek God with all your heart. And then verses 3 to 4 of Psalm 119 uh, mirror that second line. And then verses 5 to 8 of Psalm 119 mirror that third line. So what I'd like us to do is just get a hang of singing together, Okay. And I was hoping we could take at least five minutes together to go through this. And I think we can. Um, I don't know if you read music, right? This is, I just want us all to get used to reading music. This is what we'll do. Maybe even once a year, we'll do this together. This is choir. I'm so glad Sarah's in the nursery because she is a, is a really good choir director. And I am not. So, but, but I'm just going to teach. This is like basic bonehead choir directing, Okay. For base, what is that? The yellow book, uh, choir directing for dummies. All right, so this is what it is. This is music. Did you guys know that this top line is the melody? You have, you have with each word, you have four notes on the piano. Becky will probably play 50 notes to each one, but um, you have basically four notes of harmony. This top one is what? Soprano, the melody. This next one is alto, good. And then here we have usually sung by the men. So usually the ladies are up here with melody 
alto, soprano alto. And then men, this top one of our line is the, anybody know? The tenor. And then this one way down here is the bass. So my goal for us today is to sing through this. And then what I would like us to do briefly is have the men learn the bass, if we can, and sing it together, okay? Um, so, so guys, we're going to all sing the melody first uh, because it's a little tricky. How blessed are you who walk God's way? So let's all sing the first verse on the melody, okay? How blessed are you who walk God's way? Let's sing it together. How blessed are you who walk God's way, the law that he has taught, that you may find no fear of blame. See God with all your heart. Good, good job. Okay, so... Um, that's the melody. Did you see, if you go, how blessed, that goes up one, two, three, four-ish notes, because sometimes they're sharp and sometimes they're flat, but don't get stuck on that. Okay, just wing it. All right, so that's about two or three notes, and that's how high you go. How blessed, that's what reading music is. Guys, what's awesome is the bass line often just stays the same, because those who write harmony know guys aren't going to catch it, right? So guys, sometimes, look at this. We have this one note, three in a row, and then we go up and we really sing that note three or four times. Then we go back down to that note. Look, for almost six times, we're hanging out the same spot. All right, so that's why the bass is easier, okay? Could we try the bass, Becky? Guys, try to sing the bass. Ready? How blessed are they? Okay, that was good. That's deeper than I can go. Sorry. Let's try tenor, guys. No, you guys are going to sing the bass. Is tenor better? Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Um, okay, so guys, let's, let's hear the tenor. Thank you, Becky. That's good. Isn't that easy, guys? Let's all the guys try to sing the tenor. Ladies, you can help us if you want, okay? Let's sing that first. Sing the tenor. How blessed are you all God's way the love he has taught. Let's keep going. Okay, now let's try it with the ladies and men, ladies on the melody and guys on the tenor, okay? And, and now, well, let's do it once and then we'll try to sing it to God with our heart, okay? 
So, so try to get your notes, guys and ladies. Okay, let's sing everybody on the on the melody on the second here, okay? By grace we shone on righteousness by turning straight to Statutes true and the last and keep us learning from your word our strength we do not trust then Okay, let's try the first verse again. We're just learning how to sing as a choir, okay? First verse again, guys only on, and I'm I'm watching the time. We're not going to go long. Guys only on the tenor, okay? The first verse, and then we'll put it together, and we'll sing it to the Lord. How blessed are you all God's ways. Guys, I didn't hear you a whole lot. Pastor Andrew, great job. <laughs> uh, but guys, I'm wanting everybody in this, okay? Um, he did better than I did, that's for sure. So we're learning, but this is how you learn how to sing. And I want us to be a church that knows how to sing. Uh, that, that each week you can come here and you can pick out a part. That's why we have the worship guides. It's to take home, but also we have the, the words up on the screen but we print these so that you can sing along and, and sing the parts. Or if it's unfamiliar to you, you can follow. Oh, I go up two, I go down one, I go up three. And then you add the meter, right? And we're not going to get into that, but you add the meter. And, and you can actually read the music right in front of you. Let's all sing the first verse. And let's try to sing this with our heart. Everybody stand, sing the melody and the tenor. And uh, we'll just keep going with it, okay? And we'll be done. How blessed are you who walk God's way, 
last verse. And keep us learning from your word. Our strength we do not trust. Then we will thank you faithful Lord for not forsaking us. Amen. Well, let's close in prayer. This is our closing prayer because we all responded to the invitation and we, we were convicted and we sang a song together of him to the Lord. Um, let me pray and then Pastor Andrew, you can come with the announcements here.